You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Freedom Strips. I'm your host, Keaton. Uh, Justin is out today, but I do have a very special guest joining me on this episode. A good friend of mine who I've known for years since I was a wee lad, Matt Bell. Matt, thanks for coming on, bud. Man, it is my pleasure, sir. I am honored to be on Freedom Strips. I'm an avid listener, so to be part of it, it's a good day for me. It's a real good day. Good day. It's a good day for me, too. And you've been in this uh, podcasting space. Uh, you kind of launched your show right around the same time I did. So why don't you give yourself a little uh, little plug for the listeners? Yeah, here's my plug. It's called Bellhouse Chats. It's on Spotify, soon to be on iTunes and Google Play. Bellhouse Chats. And it is literally just me having the conversations I want to have with cool and interesting people. Uh, I've got one scheduled for skincare with with an esthetician, which is me completely outside of my expertise. Uh, met with a rabbi, met with a law enforcement officer, and just having cool stories, fun times. Boy, skincare. My goodness. Be- yeah, I wanted to get outside of my expertise. <laughs> yeah, that's a little outside my area too. My, yeah, my wife is my wife. All I get from my wife is like, "You need to moisturize." <laughs> and I'm like, "Does my skin look that bad? I don't, I don't know what's uh, what what's are going you saying on. to me? If it doesn't come in a shampoo bottle and a bar of soap, I'm not using it probably." <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping to learn some stuff that I don't know and uh, have a good time while doing it. That's the whole point of Bellhouse Chat. So if you're interested in that, check it out. I would be honored to hear feedback. Yeah, well, I've listened to a couple episodes. They are uh, a lot of fun to just sit down and listen to. They, they're they about an hour long, wouldn't you say? About an hour? Yeah, hour I try 15. to keep about an hour. That's the uh, extent of my attention span. And so after about an hour, I'm cooked. So we shut it down. <laughs> well, good. Go check out Bell House Chats. Um, but to start the start the show off, I, I, I kind of took a little bit of a break before we uh, uh, got started again. I, I was waiting on some of my new equipment to come in. I got a new microphone, new mic stand, a bunch of new equipment. So I, I'm feeling good. I sound good in my ears. And uh, so sorry for the delay on this episode. But for the listeners, let's jump into the topics at hand. Uh, some of the things that have come up last week was AOC. We'll, we'll start with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, of course, because we can't go a week without talking about this lady. Um, so she chased away an Amazon deal in her own New York district, um, that would have brought 25,000 new high paying jobs. And she says that she saved billions of dollars ending that deal, um, that they could now spend on education and other things. But the thing about it is she doesn't quite understand the difference between a tax credit and a subsidy. So, yeah. Painful. That's painful. It's kind of her thing, the economics. Um, Do you remember when you were a kid and you you went to a theme park for the first time and you were totally bummed out when you walked up to a ride you wanted to be on and then you saw the sign that said, you must be this tall to ride this ride? I feel like there needs to be 
things in Congress that say you must be this informed or this smart in order to to vote or to try to bring a bill or a law to vote. Like you have to be this smart because it's just it is painful to watch, but this is America. Anybody can do anything. And this is one of those things where somebody is doing something. Boy, yeah, this is America where you can drop out of economics, wait and bartend at a restaurant and then become a, what would you call it? Congresswoman? A congresswoman with an enormous amount of power in voting legislation. Like The, thing, the, the good thing is, she, as a junior congresswoman, she doesn't have a lot of power, but she has a lot of followers on, on like Instagram. So she's, she's Insta famous. And, but as far as the voting power, you know, Nancy Pelosi has, she's, she's the, she's the real powerhouse there. But think about this, the green new deal as a shot. I bet, I bet AOC could come up with a pretty baller green new deal shot. Yeah. <laughs> that's, bet, that's where she should be. That's where she should be. I bet she's really good at that. I don't know why she hasn't done that on her live streams. She, you know, you see her live streams where she's cooking like instant ramen and, and talking all this nonsense on That's Instagram. genius, man. It it really is. I mean, it, it kind of, if you wanted to really get in touch with people, like the fact that, and you see other Democrats trying to copy this, right? So you see, do you see that really awkward Elizabeth Warren that was hard to watch. when she tried to crack the beer it was like an old lady that doesn't like to get wet in the pool right so she's like trying not to get her lips wet while drinking the beer it's like how do i drink this beer and not get beer on my lips how did i do just, this in my 20s <laughs> yeah, it was so awkward just this old woman trying to copy exactly what alexandria ocasio-cortez has been doing but yeah that's uh that's a really painful thing uh as far as the amazon deal man that's it really is um, I saw a tweet the other day that said it's really all of us, Republicans, independents, centrists, and classic Democrats versus the crazy progressives. And you're almost seeing that play out where Jeff Bezos is not conservative. He is not a Republican, no. and he is not even a centrist or libertarian. He is 100% to the left, but he's smart. And so you cannot be smart and crazy. And Alexandria Ocrazio Cortez is coming out swinging on these <laughs> these policies, and it's interesting to see the left trying to regulate itself. And then the Washington Post, which is owned by Bezos, is is coming out and saying this chick is crazy. Yeah, like this yeah. is this is insanity. The, the The fact that she thought she could spend somebody else's tax credits that didn't exist, like spend it's, the it's tax not credits. Money. Yeah, this is <laughs> it's not this there. Didn't, it didn't happen. You didn't make the deal. You don't get the money. Yeah. It, if I if I make a deal with you and I say, hey, if you come here, I'll take 10% less of whatever you make. And then if you leave, I don't get 10% of that make-believe money. I'm I, keeping I, that my 10%. Doesn't exist. Yeah. But, no. Yeah. So it, it's it's absolutely right. You Like you see the left eating its own already and and – um, as you mentioned before, the Washington Post, which is owned by Bezos, already took its shot over at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez right after this. So their article is listed as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is an economic illiterate. And oh, so no. I'll, I'll, I'll read a little bit of a, a snippet here. Um, so it says, case in point, last week, Ocasio-Cortez celebrated tanking uh, the deal 
negotiated by her fellow Democrats in which Amazon promised to build a new headquarters in Long Island City, New York, right next to her congressional district. Amazon's departure uh, cost the city between 25,000 and 40,000 new jobs. Forget the tech workers whom Amazon would have employed. Gone are all the unionized construction jobs to build the headquarters, as well as thousands of jobs created by all the small businesses surrounding the area, such as restaurants, um, dry cleaners, food carts that were all preparing to open or expand to serve the new Amazon employees. They are devastated by Amazon's withdrawal. Ocasio-Cortez was not disturbed at all. She said, quote, we are subsidizing these jobs. Frankly, if we are willing to give away $3 billion for this deal, we could invest that $3 billion in our own district, ourselves, if we wanted to. We could hire more teachers, fix our subway system. We could put a lot of people to work with that amount of money if we wanted to. Only you don't have that amount of money. <laughs> the money doesn't exist. I love it. It's, um, you know, you just keep waiting for the, if, like, I don't know, like the gag to come out. Like it's the, the pistol with the, the bang. It's all been a joke. Like, just kidding. I'm not that dumb. It's all been a joke. But every time she talks, this is this is what I imagine, though. It would make more sense. AOC makes more sense is, have you ever done a bar crawl where you get to like your fourth or fifth bar and you're you're more intoxicated than you meant to get? And then you meet that one bartender that has all these opinions that you're like, you walk away like, whoa, that person was crazy. <laughs> like, that's her, man. That's her. Like, I've met you. I know who you are. You're that chick behind the bar that's crazy. Yeah, now and she's drafting legislation. She's not drafting it, man. There's no way she, there's no way that the, the other dude did. And she's yeah. claiming it. Did, have you, did you see where she said she was the boss? Yes, I did. Yeah, I'm she said. Boss. She said, "Sit down. You're screaming from the cheap seats. I'm the boss now." I saw. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Babylon Bee. It's like the Onion, but yes. for the right wing. There was like everyone who hasn't. Uh, the headline was everyone who hasn't read a history book is surprised once they see a socialist get the first whiff of power. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it, it, it was a clip of her tweet and she, her saying that she's the boss now, and and everyone needs to come up with their own ideas if they don't like it. It's just like, that's classic socialism. You get surprise, a crazy surprise. person in power. Yeah. yeah. You surprise, surprise. You give, she's all about the power to the people. And then she runs off 40,000 jobs and then says, I'm the boss. Hey, that didn't take long. No, it didn't take long. Uh, however, her predecessor, Bernie Sanders, has officially announced his 2020 run. So, Are they married yet? Boy. Oh, man. <laughs> That would be a sight to see. Jane Sanders would not be happy. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but uh, so Bernie announced his 2020 campaign and he raised a ridiculous amount of money. I believe it was around six million dollars in the first Quick. three days um, since he announced. And so he is immediately, as of right now, the front runner who is expected to win the nomination. We'll see what happens if. Uh, Joe Biden jumps in there and um, if that old sneaky Hillary Clinton announces again. Oh, man. You know, I, that, man, I'm telling you. She she cannot stand that she lost to a cartoon character in this last election. She wants power so bad. She's I have a feeling she's going to sit on the sideline right about as the primary is going to get started. She's going to jump in. She said, I'd like to be president. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to do it. Yeah. I'll do it. 
Yeah, Why not? A, I, I've killed enough people on my way to it. <laughs> I was about to I say, like, the bodies that would drop in the Democratic primary would be unbelievable. The amount of double-tapped self-suicides would be <laughs> through the roof. Everybody shot themselves. I guess Guess she's the candidate. Twice. They shot themselves twice, if you can believe it. I hope she gets in it. Here's why. I like a good show. And I feel like if Hillary gets in, Bernie's in, and uh, Biden's in there, we got Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Kristen Gillibrand. Yeah, man, let's do it. Because here's the thing. It's going to be like the Red Wedding, where everybody's playing nice, and everything seems to be going well, and then all of a sudden, it is going to be mayhem, Murder where they are mayhem. just destroying each other. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to see what... Kamala Harris would say to Hillary Clinton in a debate. No, yeah. Like, Hillary, Hillary, you're not black enough. Like, oh, is that why <laughs> you married a white dude? Yeah, that's exactly like, uh-oh, right. Uh-oh. That's going to be the thing. And so, like, and you know if Hillary Clinton jumps in there, Bernie Sanders is going to be like, oh, not again. No. No, not again. It's like, I, I know she's got it rigged again. You know? So, There's, yeah. He should have never played nice in the first place. He played way too nice. He didn't, he was like, Frankly, enough about the emails. Let's talk about the minimum wage. He was like way too nice. <laughs> yeah. didn't Hillary Cl- and Hillary Clinton didn't even go after him because she's like, ah, oh, this thing's rigged anyway. I better. Yeah, I want to be nice. Like, I'm not. I want to be anyway. nice and, and like make sure like when this guy goes down, I'm going to get all of his supporters to come over to me. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. Like, and I think he was playing nice because he felt like she was going to win. And there was yeah. if she would give she would give the Bernie nod. To some sort of cabinet position, some sort of whatever, play nice and ride this thing all the way to the top. You might not be president, but you can be something really important. Turns out, nope. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I was looking on Twitter as soon as uh, Bernie announced and all the Bernie bros were just rejoicing and everyone was throwing their money at this guy. And so this is a man whose who's only accomplishment is folding like a cheap suit in the 2016 election and endorsing the very candidate that stood against everything he believed in in Hillary Clinton. So, yeah, let's give this guy another shot. Whatever. Yeah, why not, man? Give him, give him, give him a go. I think everybody should be in it. I'm excited to see the uh, bloodbath that is the the 2020 Democratic primaries. I think more people should be in. I might throw my hat in. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you got enough people in there. I mean, his campaign slogans just got to be Bernie Sanders 2020. Just survive. <laughs> just, <laughs> why not try again? Just get to the inauguration, put his hand on the book, and then just tip over. And you're done. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so Bernie Sanders, once he announced, you saw all these different headlines starting to go around um, with these videos, such as Bernie Sanders praising bread lines, uh, which is uh, pretty unbelievable. But don't take it from me. Um, Take it from Bernie Sanders himself. So let's listen in on Bernie Sanders praising bread lines, saying that they're a good thing. You know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. Ah, so bread lines are a good thing. You know, that's that's wonderful. Um, that's not the only thing Bernie Sanders was praising about Soviet Russia. So we covered on a past episode when Bernie Sanders and Jane Sanders visited Soviet Russia on their honeymoon in the 80s. Uh, This is a video of Bernie Sanders after that trip 
saying what exactly he liked about Soviet Russia, such as their great transportation system and their cultural plays. When we were in Moscow, for example, I think most of the people here also were extremely impressed by their public transportation system. The stations themselves were absolutely beautiful, uh, including many works of art, chandeliers that were beautiful. It was a very, very effective system. Also, I was impressed by the youth programs that they have, uh, their palaces of, of, of culture for, for the young people, a whole variety of, young, uh, of programs for young people, and cultural programs which go far beyond what we do in this country. Uh, we went to a, a, a theater in Yaroslavl, which was absolutely beautiful, had three separate stages where cultural programs are put on by professional actors and actresses, including a puppeteer uh, area, and the cost, the highest price of a ticket that you can get was the equivalent of a dollar fifty. Okay. Well, there was Bernie Sanders praising the uh, wonderful transportation system of the Soviet Union. So he, he goes on and says um, that they had great pr- transportation, great cultural plays. Yeah, they had great transportation because the government guaranteed there would be no traffic on the road. You know how? They banned the private sale of uh, vehicles. That Nobody helps a was lot. able to allow no one was allowed to own their own vehicle. So, yeah, that's a great system and and people are forced to use public transportation. And so, you know, what are they using that public transportation to go to? Uh, maybe their bread lines cuz they're <laughs> waiting in line exactly. to get some food. I would also like to know when the last time somebody he said in, you know, in other countries and capitalistic countries, the evil capitalist countries, uh the rich get all the food and the poor people starve to death. I would like to know when the last time somebody starved to death in America was. Like when was when's the last time somebody starved to death because they could not find food? I would like yeah. to, that 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 would be something I would be interested in knowing because I don't feel like that's a thing. Yeah. Man, if only we had examples of socialism starving people to death. Yeah, <laughs> if only if that was could, a thing. If only we could have examples of hundreds of millions of people starving to death from an ideology. Like, I don't know, it's like maybe Mao's China, the Soviet Union, Cambodia. I don't know. I can't really think of too many examples. Venezuela. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, they're still eating over there. They're just eating their pets. But when the pets go away. They actually, in 2016, Maduro made it illegal for doctors to list malnutrition as the cause of death for children in Venezuela. He made it illegal. It was such a problem there that they... I remember the article from 2015 or 16 where Venezuela was taking over the bakeries because they said that they were not producing enough food to satisfy the people. And I think that's the thing with, with Bernie's plan. Like, socialism... It works really well in the very beginning because surprisingly, when you steal money from people, you do have a lot of money. You do have a lot of money and everything's good as long as you have a lot of money. But guess what? Once you steal the money and you spend it, it's gone. That's why you see things where he he, where Bernie's praising the Soviet Union back in the 60s and 70s, praising Cuba, praising Che Guevara. These people like, you know, these people are feeding their people. They're for the people. And then once all those things collapse, it's oh, not that country. Let's pick somewhere else. And then he picks the Nordic countries and they they fire back. 
Yeah. Yeah. You had Denmark, of course, you know, famously the Denmark prime minister firing back at Bernie Sanders, I think in in 2016, it was whenever Bernie was running at that time. So the Dem, um, the Denmark PM fired back at him saying that uh, Denmark was not even close to what actual socialism is. And he was actually offended that he actually tied socialism to Denmark. And then just this past uh, in the past two days. The former Swedish prime minister, I believe he, he served as the prime minister in 91 to 95, I believe. He blasted Bernie Sanders about his praising of Soviet Union. He said he was lucky to get to the Soviet Union when he did before it collapsed in on itself from its ultimate failures. Yeah, you were there. You were there in the final hours, sir. Man. The hypocrisy of this guy is just absolutely unbelievable. This is a guy who goes around and preaches that the rich need to pay their fair share. But this is a guy who's who he is a multimillionaire. He owns three houses. His wife committed bank fraud and bankrupted a college. And then Bernie also maximized his tax tax deductions. He made a million dollars from a book that bashes capitalism and then paid something like 16 to 13 percent in taxes or something like that. You would think that. A guy who gets a hard on for demonizing business owners and wealthy people would lead by example. The the fact that Adam Carolla said that everybody in uh, California votes for higher taxes and then has tax accountants. And I, like, what is the point of maximizing your deductions if you want higher taxes? Um, he's also delayed his um, his tax returns. And when Wolf Blitzer pushed him on it, he said that his wife prepares his tax returns. So he's got to get some. And I'm <laughs> the, like, the woman who committed bank fraud, the one who committed financial returns. fraud, that one, that's the one. Yeah, it's hmm. you know, it, it's so it's sad. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. You know, you're seeing AOC do it. You're seeing Bernie, who was a nobody for so long. And then all of a sudden comes to he becomes trendy. He becomes the hip with Bernie bros. And he gets three houses, and now he's he's getting tax deductions. And hey, guess what, man? He's, you you love capitalism. Yeah, he was kicked out of a hippie compound for being too lazy. Too lazy for hippies. Jesus, that guy, man, that guy. If we if this we is, follow him, we're going straight to Venezuela. Well, uh, we we might be going to Venezuela sooner than later. So this kind of is a good transition to pop into. Um, so there's there's two major issues unfolding on the world stage at this moment. So um, the the first one is this U.S. North Korea summit that's actually happening right as we're recording this. Yep. Um, they're probably having their one on one right now. Uh, and the other is going to be uh, the situation unfolding in Venezuela. Um, so President Trump is uh, currently in Hanoi, Viet- Vietnam right now for his second summit with the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. Um, I mean, if you watch the media build up to this meeting, they are just completely bashing Trump over his first meeting for not accomplishing anything, um, which <laughs> the thing about this is they haven't denuclearized which Trump kind of got caught up on like already claiming early that they were denuclearizing. They haven't done it yet, but to say that he didn't accomplish anything is just completely false. And it actually works in Trump's favor because he actually brought home American citizens that were held hostage in North Korea. So I don't know. I think the, uh, the American citizens coming home to see their families is something, but the media is claiming that he did absolutely nothing. And the talks aren't going anywhere. 
And this is this is, Dave Smith over at Part of the Problem had a great example uh, on how to explain how the media is treating Trump uh, with these talks with North Korea. Just imagine that an evil guy goes up to a bank, robs the bank, shoots a bunch of people and takes a bunch hostage. The police send a negotiator in. The negotiator tries to talk the guy down. He's like, you know, he, he probably has demands and he's like, okay, what do you want? You want food? How about I exchange some water for a couple of these hostages? And then imagine a couple of the cops standing right next to the hostage negotiator going, what an idiot. What a moron. He's talking to a guy who killed people. This guy is, I can't believe he's even talking to this guy. Just let the guy talk. Yeah, the undercutting is is the worst, and uh, we got really good at it in Vietnam. The worst part is, kind of to speak to your analogy, is that those cops can talk to the hostage negotiator, but they also have a back channel to the person holding the hostages. They can undercut their own negotiator to the yeah. person who's being negotiated with. There is not a worst case scenario than that. And it's like you have a, a media that wants him to lose while he's doing high stakes negotiations. And it's 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 that whole thing. Trump is the lens in which the media sees the world and they are absolutely insane for it. Yeah, it's like why in the world like they are always wanting something to go bad for Trump. Right. And that's that's fine. Like you can feel how you want about him. I'm not his biggest fan. But the subject that I don't want him to fail on, the point that I don't want him to fail on is a nuclearized North Korea. If that goes south, that's bad for everybody. I want Democrats. Why would you put that as his failure point that you want? I want Democrats to win it. I want libertarians to win that negotiation. I want Republicans. I don't care if you're an American. I want you to win the Kim Jong-un summit. I want you to come away strong. The fact that, I mean, it's, it's sadly, it's sad, but it's true. Everything now is about 2020 and it's about power. I remember when Harry Reid accused Mitt Romney of not, not paying his taxes. And then after, after he lost and they, the Harry Reid saw the tax return and he, he had lied about it. They asked Harry Reid, do you regret saying that? He said, no, it worked. Didn't it? The, it is there is nothing more important than the power of being able to wield the government. That tells me two things: it is corrupt and it is far too big. But as far as the as far as North Korea goes, North Korea is going to be a real big issue because who wants blood on their hands? You basically have a a yeah. knife wielding madman with a group of people around him, and it's like to save those group of people, you might some might get killed if you go in. Do you want to be the guy that, that goes to invade North Korea and he murders a million or 500,000 of his own people and now you're you're the president that goes down as the person who messed that up? It, yeah, you're exactly right. And it's not just his own people either. I mean, you, this is a country that is armed to the teeth with nuclear weapons and he has them already pointed, pre-programmed to go straight to Seoul and to Tokyo. Like, that's not, it's not just North Korea that's on the line. It's all these surrounding countries and these innocent lives that are on the line. Yeah. And, but the thing is, like, not to sound cynical, I don't see North Korea disarming its nuclear weapons at all during these talks. And if you are, if you can, <laughs> it might be hard to do, but if you can warp your mind enough to even view it from their angle, why would you? Because what, look at what's happened to Saddam Hussein. Look at what's happens to Muammar Gaddafi. 
right? When you have these American-led regime changes, these guys get brutally murdered in the streets. Like, and the only reason that hasn't happened to Kim Jong-un is because he has the bomb. Yeah, I, 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 just, I don't see them giving up that leverage to, because you know, you know, if they denuclearize, eventually that guy's going down. That's what I was going to say is that guy has a lot to lose because even if he moderates in his own nation, he has so many enemies. Like, what do you do? You go like, hey, yeah. look, guys, sorry about murdering your whole family. Sorry about the raping. Sorry about the starving. Uh, let's just let's just be friends now. No, those people no, that are in those prison camps get out. He's getting he's getting what Gaddafi got. He's getting what Saddam got. There are so many people who hate him, and I think for him, it's uh he's got to play nice. I don't think North Korea changes until the the Kim Kim Jong Dynasty is is gone. Yeah, I, I don't see them getting rid of their nuclear weapons. I think the best case scenario that can come out of this with Trump is if he gets a few more people released and and accomplishes more talks like the talk, the talking and the summits is good. You know, yeah. countries, countries that tend to talk regularly don't tend to bomb each other regularly. <laughs> That's so true. I, as That's long true. as we get a line of connection to North Korea and some kind of talks with them, I'll chalk it up as a success because this is something that a sitting U S president has never done before is to sit down with talks with, with a nuclearized North Korea. I think, uh, and best, I mean, best case scenario is, for me, I think would be the humanitarian aid to people that are in, yes. in some really depraved situations. Um, that's, that's really the main thing for me. If you watch any of those, those videos of like the voice of the martyrs and things like that, people in North Korea, there's some real suffering going on there. I don't think Kim Jong-un gives up any power because, I mean, if you learned from one thing, they were like, Saddam, do you have weapons of mass destruction? He's like, maybe. Uh, no, I don't. And they're like, oh, good. We're coming for you then. And so, <laughs> Oh, good. I Let us for, bomb your entire country. <laughs> yeah, we're coming for you. And when we find you, it's going to be bad. So I don't think he, I don't think Kim Jong-un does that because he real, he recognizes, man, like it's over for you. If you show weakness and there isn't and there isn't an, uh, an insurrection of any sort, you don't survive that. And there's no safe place in the world for you to go. So uh, I, I just hope that there's some humanitarian relief that can happen for some of those people. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny talking about the bringing up the Iraq war there and and you kind of brought up Harry Reid for a second. Uh, I saw an article, I believe it was yesterday, that was referencing Harry Reid, and he said that he wished for he wished that the George W. Bush administration could come back every single day since Trump was in office. I'm like, really? The George W. Bush administration? Uh, that guy kind of lied us into the uh, Iraq yeah, no War, thanks. something we've been in for. <laughs> A very long time that's killed hundreds of thousands of lives. I nah. loved G Dub as a as a person. Uh, not that I knew uh, he'd him, be a great guy to have a beer with. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't particularly love. Um, I think he was stu- he was stuck in a really tough position. But I didn't love some of the other other policies. But um, Decision Points was a really good book. And I enjoyed that. Um, the whole Harry Reid thing, where he was trying to uh, kick the Clive Bundy or the Bundy Ranch showdown, and then it turned out that his his son owned a solar panel company that they were trying yeah. to sell the land to the Chinese. It's like this whole thing stinks to high heaven of government corruption, coercion, yeah. and power. And it's uh, just like Obama I, subsidizing those solar um, yeah. those solar companies, giving yep. them five hundred billion dollars. That's what it was all about. He was. His son was 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 positioned to become a multimillionaire, and here's the crazy thing, Keaton. You ready? Do you know what stopped it? 
250 men with AR-15s. There you go. Craziness. Yep. Crazy world we live in. Those crazy Americans and their guns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can already hear the war drums beating for Venezuela as well. So, I mean, you, you saw, um, <laughs> speaking of Muammar Gaddafi, I don't know if you saw this tweet from Marco Rubio, but all he did was he posted two pictures on his Twitter. He posted a picture of Muammar Gaddafi with wearing like sunglasses and he's smiling and he's wearing like this nice white suit. And then the next picture he he posted was a bloodied up Muammar Gaddafi right as before he's about to get murdered in the streets by protesters. And that's all he posted. And so obviously that's Savage. a threat to Maduro like saying comply or this is going to happen to you. And so you hear the, the war drums beating already in Venezuela and the media is already pumping up, trying to get support for the war, which I've made my stance on this known would be an absolute, the only thing that could make the situation in Venezuela worse would be American war in Venezuela. But the media have been circulating this story about um, the, how the Venezuelan military set fire to the supply trucks carrying the U.S. aid, um, US, uh, aid supplies coming in. Um, they blocked the trucks from coming in, which, uh, yeah, that sounds like a socialist dictatorship move. But the fires were actually caused by the protesters throwing Molotov cocktails. But they're they're kind of showing that the uh, the humanitarian aid is being lit by the Maduro uh military and and trying to drum up support for the war and you can already it's like a slow motion crash you see moving forward i just don't think that would be a long war yeah you know it's interesting i i don't know as if it would or as if it wouldn't because maduro obviously is cling the only reason he's in power is because of the military and and like if the u.s comes knocking on the door does the military stay loyal to him or do they not do they just let let the u.s die for that guy yeah, well, I, that's exactly right. I don't know. I, I think a lot would not, uh, but I, I think a lot would. And what I don't want is another Vietnam on our hands. Yeah, I, um, I, the fact that Colombia is an ally, one of the most difficult things about the Vietnam War was that the, uh, the Viet Cong were able to escape into Laos. And, and, and if we could have pursued the Viet Cong into across the border into Laos and Cambodia and things like that, it would have been a very different war, but they were, we were not allowed to. The fact that the, the, the Colombia and the neighboring countries are on board with the overthrow of Maduro, um, I just, I don't think he has many options. Um, one of the things that's interesting was I, I saw an article today that said Trump is trying to start a civil war. And I'm like, dear brother, there are hundreds of thousands of people in the street and military defectors calling for Maduro's head. I, I think the civil war has been started. I think yeah. that, I think we're off here. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It absolutely has already been started. And I don't know. I think it's a really tough situation. Um, I don't want military action in Venezuela, but I do want them to somehow, if we can get some aid to those people to get them some food, man, like get them some food and some medicine. And it's, it's a tough situation. I don't want war in Venezuela, but I do want to help the people. I think at this point you have to default on the side of just, you're going to have to let these people work it out. Like I, they're going to overthrow Maduro eventually. I think that's just the way it's going to have to be. 
But well, the good, you've got the good you've got Bolton is, and Pompeo whispering in, or whispering in Trump's ear already. You, you already see the writing on the wall right now. I mean, he's already backed off of pulling troops out of Syria, like he said. And I, I was really hoping he would follow through on that promise. But uh, we'll see what he does with Venezuela. I hope he stays out, but it's not looking good. The good news is Venezuela has a history of democracy and a history of, you know, civilized government. It wasn't like a Syria or a Vietnam where that wasn't the case at all. You're trying to start a democracy where there's never been. Afghanistan, total disaster. Iraq, disaster. You're talking about these, pre-Chavez? The, yeah, these, yeah, exactly. We have, there's, and they're surrounded by countries that have free markets of sorts. Now, not as free as America, um, not as free as some, more free than others. Um, the fact that you would go in, and I'm not advocating for war, I'm saying that if the war, if war became the only option, A, I don't think that we are the primary fighters in it. B, the fact that there is an objective to say there's already a recognized president ready to go into power and all, all the goal is, the goal is not occupation. The goal is remove Maduro, keep the peace, get out. And it's what do you, what would, do you think about that with the uh, with the guy who's lined up to who's just kind of declaring that he is the new president? What do you, yeah, what do you think the about opposition? That? Well, he's got support, you know, and I think that yeah. what you're looking for in that region is stability. And if he's got support with the hundreds of thousands of people, here's the thing. If you're if your citizens are starving and you come in as the new president and say, we're not going to be oppressive. Let's start businesses again. Let's let the U.S. invest some capital and let's get this economy booming. You're not going to have to worry about people wanting Maduro back because it, life is going to be much, much better than eating dogs in the street and eating out of the back of trash bins. Um, I'm not for war, but if Maduro's not leaving, what are your options? Yeah, like I said, it's a very tough situation. I, I, don't, I don't know what the right answer is. Um, I, I lean towards not going in, but yeah. I mean, you look at, you have to look at history and the past examples. Like we've tried this many times before. We, we tried it with Libya, with Muammar Gaddafi. They have open slave trade, open air slave trade in the country. Now there's extreme power vacuum. I mean, you can obviously Muammar Gaddafi was an evil dude, very, very bad guy. But you can't deny that the country is way worse after that Libyan war that Hillary Clinton started. Yep. And the same thing with uh, Iraq. Look how many people, hundreds of thousands of innocent lives dead going after Saddam Hussein. I mean, again, very bad dude. But American intervention, you cannot deny that Iraq is way worse than it was before. I mean, it's just a fact. And it's just you have to weigh those pros and cons and and. With Venezuela, like I said before, I want to help these people, but I don't. I really don't know what the right answer is. It's a it's a tough situation. That's why I almost err on the side of just don't. You know, you almost can't get involved. Yeah, I um, I'm a, I'm a little bit different than a non-interventionist. Um, I'm I'm probably seventy percent non-intervention, and thirty percent. If you don't do anything, it it doesn't get better. Um. And I think Libya was a mistake. Um, I think that uh, Afghanistan trying to install democracies, this whole like, hey, let's change the whole culture of everything. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, yeah. Again, I think Venezuela has a history and they it's a different it's a different group of people with a different culture. And they have Colombia 
Um, they're surrounded by Colombia. Some of the I can't trying to get other ones that are, are right around them. But you have Brazil, one of the largest economies down there. You've you've got support. It's not like like what democracy is around Libya. Name one, like uh, maybe Egyptish used to kind of, and it's like Iran used to be. There's just not one in the in the area. Whereas Venezuela, I feel like it's not it's not unwinnable because 20 years ago Venezuela was one of the greatest places to live. Because uh, the they had all the oil in the, the globe, when once, they nationalized yeah. all the oil. And so they had high oil prices to install this socialist movement. And so they have all of this money and all of this wealth from the high oil prices and the nationalized industries. And when they nationalized everything, that's when foreign investment popped out. So people, exactly. you can't, you know, foreign investment, people, investors are not going to invest in property and businesses over in Venezuela when the government's just going to say, oh, that's ours now. Oh, this is ours now. Okay. So here's. You know, Here's the problem with like Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan. Do you remember when the dinars were a thing? Everyone was yeah. selling selling dinars on the new Iraq economy. Problem is, yeah. you can't grow an economy with corruption at that level. Venezuela, I feel like there's there's always going to be some corruption, but if you can manage that corruption, you can grow an economy. I think they can grow that economy in Venezuela. They've got the oil, they've got the fertile crescents. They, they can grow the foods. If you can free it up from nationalized and government controlled things and give it back to the people and give the entrepreneurs a chance to really get after it, I, I don't think that war would be very long and I don't think that occupation would be long if existent at all. Yeah. You think with this new guy, socialism goes away in Venezuela? Um, I think people, I would hope, you know, I'm not, I haven't been to Venezuela, so I'm speaking completely out of ignorance here. Um, I think we both are. Yeah. But, <laughs> but both I'm going to give it a shot. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe they do more of a, um, you know, you, you, you scale back those things, but they're broke. I mean, at the point where you're eating and how socialism working when you're eating I, I think dogs. he's still and, a socialist. Yeah. He, I believe he, he's, he's still a socialist. So, I mean, the, the root problem is the thing about the system, the, the socialist system is it, it breeds a, a it centralizes power to one entity and, and yeah, it breeds uh, corruption. It, yeah. Well, exactly. Because human nature is, you know, it, it, I guess it all depends on how you view human nature. If you think humans are inherently bad or inherently good, it, yeah. r- regardless of your, your, your view on that, I, I, it ends badly every single time. And I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see this thing unfold. It will be very interesting to see. Um, I feel like if you were a socialist in Venezuela for the last 20 years, you have to be at least open to the option of trying something else. As you eat Fido over a can of beans, you're thinking maybe there's a better way. Yeah, there's got to be something uh, something wrong here. Let's see what this capitalism thing is all about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so moving on, uh, the last thing I really wanted to touch on was this Jesse Smollett update. Uh, so Jesse, we talked about him last time. I know this is probably old news by the time this is coming out, but Jesse Smollett has been arrested. He's been charged with two felony, uh, two felonies with, uh, filing a false police report and, um, uh, let's see, inciting violence uh, or a hate crime. And so this guy, it comes out, all these details are coming out after they made the arrest. So like they're giving the details on how they made all the connections. This guy wrote the, the 3,500 that he paid to the brothers to attack him was with a check. 
This guy wrote a, a check like a ninety-year-old man, a personal check, and he's trying to flip it like he was like, "Oh, the the check was for personal training." <laughs> yeah, okay. It's like when you're at uh, the grocery store and the person in front of you is like, "Can I pay you with a check?" And you're like, "What the heck, man?" I wonder if that's how the uh, Nigerians were like, "A check, brother." A check? And has he not watched a single episode of CSI or the first 48? It's like the Chicago PD is dropping all these like, here's how we crack the case. And everyone who has ever seen an episode of crime TV is like, uh, yeah, that wasn't too hard at all, was it? Yeah, I mentioned this on the last episode, too. He's like, you're not just trying to fool just normal run-of-the-mill cops. These are Chicago cops. These guys have seen everything. They've seen some stuff. They've seen everything. And you're going to pull the wool over their eyes. And even so what started this whole thing was he originally planted this fake hate mail letter. That's like a threat to um, it was like, we will kill you. And it had like a, a, a drawing, a drawing of a, like a stick figure hanging from a tree. And then the, uh, the letters spelling out, we will kill you were cut out from magazines. So it was like a serial killer type stuff where they took the Elmer's glue and just stuck it on the construction paper. And so he mailed this with a, uh, it, it was crushed up aspirin, but it was supposed to look like some biochemical substance that he put in the <laughs> yeah. letter. And so he got the FBI involved with a hazmat team. It's like, this is going bad from the start. And so when yep. that didn't work out, then he paid these guys to attack him to on this fake uh, hate crime. But they searched the brother's apartment and they found the magazines <laughs> where they cut out the letters and they found the rope, the noose and the receipt for all the things they bought. Can you imagine if you're the Chicago PD and you're like, all right, guys, we got to crack this case. We got to be on the lookout for evidence. Look anywhere and everywhere. And you walk into an apartment and there is a pile with all the evidence right there. Like, oh, there How dumb is. are you? How stupid is this? You know, the investigators are like just walking around like, well, what's this receipt? They find a crumpled up receipt. They just open it. They're like, noose, two red hats, two sweaters. <laughs> There's a box like they marked didn't even, evidence. They didn't even bounce around to different stores. They just got everything in one store and kept the receipt. <laughs> There's a box that literally says a Jesse's attack. And yeah. it's got all the stuff in it. Like, oh, there it is. <laughs> There's all the evidence. There was a, uh, a senator or congressman that had a tweet that I thought was funny. He said, you know that 2020 is going to be a landslide when Nigerian immigrants are running around the streets of Chicago shouting, this is MAGA country. Did you see the picture of those guys? They were ripped. They were yeah, huge Jack Diesel, guys. Man. They were yeah. jacked dudes. And they could have hit him said, way harder. Oh, the thing is, the picture of him after the attack, quote unquote, is like a tiny little cut right yeah. above his cheek, and that was it. This guy's Superman if he got mugged by those two guys and didn't get anything. Oh Nothing my happened, gosh. kept his sub, all that stuff, man. Here's the, here's that the thing. It's like killed me, man. The, 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 the footage of him coming back with the subway sandwich <laughs> after a brutal attack. He still got the noose on 30 minutes later when the In negative nine. Out. Negative yeah. nine degrees in the middle of a polar vortex. Oh, my God. The thing is, man, we laugh about it because it's funny because it was a victimless crime. He literally paid people to beat himself up. And that's funny. But what's not funny is what could have happened if there had been a victim. And 
had there been two, had this been the summer or spring or fall where people were actually walking around the streets of Chicago and they picked up two random white people and he yeah. said, yep, they must be the ones he was willing to, he was willing to put people in prison so yeah. that he could advance his political agenda and get paid more. And then if you watch his good morning America interview, you're like, that yeah. dude is a sociopath. Yeah, he's crying and everything and talking about how people don't believe him because he's black and he's gay. And if he was like, uh, if the attackers were Muslim or something else, people would care more. Yeah. And it's, it's like, and then when he, when he was talking about like, what do you, they asked him, what are you going to do if they don't find these people? And he was like, I was talking to one of my friends and she said, baby, they ain't going to find them. And I was like, holy crap, man, you're insane, dude. Yeah. You're insane. And one of the one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I watched uh, Dr. Phil on Joe Rogan, and he said, one of the things that you see about these type of hoaxes is that the person feels like society has already done these things to them, so they're just acting out what they have already experienced, even though the specific hoax may not have happened. Well, it is endemic of what you guys have already done to me. He was like, it's a self delusion. I was like, that makes me pity him a little bit, but it doesn't make me pity him enough because I really think he should be charged with a hate crime and or terrorism. And I know that sounds crazy, but terrorism is the unlawful use of violence and intimidation, especially against civilians in pursuit of political gain. Well, the violence was against himself, which, okay, but he committed a crime in the intention of deceiving the, the public against a specific racial and political group. Like he committed a crime to change the way that society felt about a political group, and a race of people. He literally attacked white people in a way to try to cast an aspersion on them. Yeah. Like, that's that's a hate crime, brother. Yeah. And he was perfectly willing to let two random... Like you said before, he was perfectly willing to let two random white guys go to jail for this. If they would have brought... So they showed him the footage of those two guys walking... Like, the silhouettes. The only footage they found of the two guys' silhouettes walking down the Chicago street that night. And they said, are these the guys that attacked you? And he said, yes. And so they took him to the other room and showed him the two Nigerian brothers. And they were like, are these, are these the guys? And he's like, <laughs> oh no. If that would have been two white dudes, there'd have been two white, white dudes sitting in prison right now wondering what is going on? I didn't what do just this. Happened? What's going on? Yeah. yeah that's uh. can you imagine though? Like his thought when they were like, we found the guys and he's like, Oh, this is going just according to plan. He watched this it. And it's I'm going to get Nigerians? so much money. I'm going to be on Empire for the next five seasons. I'm going to be a main role. Other movies. Now, here's the t- here's the two guys, and he walks in, and it's his Nigerian bros behind the glass. He's like, "Oh shoot! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Sorry, brother. Did y'all destroy that check? <laughs> <laughs> My God. It would have taken less time to buy Bitcoin on his phone and to just send him Bitcoin than it would to take him to write a check. I can't believe that dude wrote a check. My, it's mind-blowing, man. It's mind-blowing to... It, it, it's You can't even relate. A, a rational person can't even relate, but that's that's being willing to do some real damage to some real people 
for your own delusions. And yeah. um, the fact that you're you're willing to do that, oh man, most people I think hear that story and the only thing you can do is laugh because you're like, that's absolutely insane. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it really is. And it's funny that you brought up that Joe Rogan interview with uh, Dr. Phil. I thought that was so funny. It's such an interesting interview, too. I never really heard that guy um, talk on his own. You know, I just kind of seen clips of him on his wacky show and, and now, you know, doing you, all that crazy stuff. Do you stuff. feel like, <laughs> well, how does that make you feel? Dude, I've been what? loving Dr. Phil for like a decade, probably because I've seen some of his interviews like one on one. And he's actually... Really, really, he's he's very well trained. He's, he's so very intelligent. Smart. Yeah. Yes, and he gets crapped on all the time. <laughs> did you did you watch any of that? Um, any of the Joe Rogan with Alex Jones today? Uh, no, I have not listened. I'm saving that one. It is well. It's a long. I've I've listened to it. I mean, I, I listened had to, to the first one right before did. we started to recording. I started it at around four o'clock today. And it was still going when I got home from work. It's about like, it's, it's going to be like a five hour podcast, but are you serious? Yes. Yes. Ro- every time, like Joe Rogan said, he wanted to end it like two hours, two hours before it ended. But <laughs> it was, it was so funny because Alex Jones was like, all right, I'm going to end it. Okay. I'm going to end it. But Joe, I got, I got, I got to tell you something. And like, it was, I, it was one of the most entertaining both Alex Jones podcasts on Joe Rogan have been some of the most entertaining, the most entertaining things. And the thing, the crazy thing about Alex Jones, okay. Feel, feel what you feel about Alex Jones. But the thing about him is this dude says some crazy stuff, but he says a lot of things that are actually true. And it's so funny to, that's the horrifying part about it. Joe Rogan go like, what? No, Jamie, Jamie, pull that up for me. You know, he's, he's like pulls it up and then and it like, turns no out to be right. Way. And it's true. And the fact that this man and Joe Rogan kind of commented on this during in the middle of the podcast, he was like, you have an amazing ability to just be able to have so much information in your brain and he can just talk for four hours straight and just spew information. Yeah. Yeah. When he was talking about the. The blood sacrifices, blah blah blah. blah. I'm like, what yeah, the blood the vampires. They're, they're they're little vampires, Joe Rogan. They're they're, they're vampires. <laughs> they're, they're sucking the baby's blood. Yeah, and, and then like you pull up an article and you're like, oh my god, uh, it's like that's, that's uh, not oh, he's entirely wrong. He's exaggerating about it. It's like they're turning the freaking frogs gay. You know, he's, he's talking about the estrogen in the water where the, the estrogen in the water and the frogs are in the water and the estrogen in the water is actually because, you know, frogs can change sex. Frogs right. are actually changing to the um, to a female more than they are male. And so they're, they're turning. The, that's how I get the they're turning the freaking frogs. Gay. The frogs gay. And so like you hear they're turning the freaking frogs gay and you're just like, oh, my God, you know, Alex Jones is just saying crazy things. And then you actually look up what he's actually talking about. And it's true stuff that scientists have, have found. It's it's so wild. I thought you're going to love listening to that podcast. I, I listened wait. to I, I listened to about wait. half of it. I, I got to listen to the first half, but it is so much fun to listen to. Yeah, ma'am. But hey, that's about all the time we got. We we went a little bit uh, over, um, but this was a lot of fun, Matt. I'm gonna have to have you on again. Hey, I enjoyed it, man. I hope I didn't talk too much, and I hope your uh, your avid listeners are not like, uh, who is that guy? Get rid of him. No, I think they're gonna want you back. I, I want you back on the show as well, and uh, maybe I can uh, maybe I can come on Bellhouse Chat sometime. 
Dude, I'd love to have you on. Uh, obviously, my show is a little bit different. It's just uh, fun conversations. I don't get nearly as political uh, just because, you know, I want to uh, make people feel welcomed and have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. And, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Freedom Strips. See you, everybody. See you, everybody.